This is XN Anderson and welcome to the principal podcast today. Today, I am thrilled to have Debbie Godfrey with us on the show. Debbie is a certified parent educator. She has over 30 years of ex expertise, excuse me, in the parenting education field. She has a business that she has done in schools called Positive Parenting in schools and community centers around the world. She served in many organizations. She's conducted teacher trainings um, all over the place. So I'm just thrilled to have you here, Debbie. Thank you for coming. Thank you so and, much, Jack, for having me. I'm excited to be here too. Thanks. <laughs> well, yeah. So, so tell us a little bit more about what gets you into positive parenting. Tell us about that. Well, I, I mean, it was a long time ago <laughs> because my kids were one, two, and six when I had my first parenting class. And before that, I was yelling at them all the time and pretty much miserable as a parent most of the time. And I took this parenting class and it just changed everything about how I was doing things and what I was thinking and how I disciplined my kids. And I went from being miserable most of the time to actually enjoying parenting and having fun and feeling like I was doing a pretty good job most of the time. And so after a year or two of, I, I had some different parenting classes and different experiences. And um, I decided, you know, I'd love to teach this to other parents. And so that's when I did a certification training for a particular curriculum. And then I started my business in July of 1994. So that was quite a while ago, <laughs> long time ago. And uh, my website, Positive Parenting, came soon thereafter. So I have a pretty good URL because I was in early. And um, yeah, and I just, it was um, work that just evolved over time. I loved teaching parents and um I, as I, as my website grew, I was communicating with parents all over the world. And the one biggest thing that I came to understand is that we all love our kids. I mean, we all love our kids and we just want to do like what's right or the best. And knowing what that is, is like, ah, how do I know what to do? It's like these, these kids and, and no matter who it is and where in the world, like, that's our one search is how can I be the right and the best parent for this child? And, 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 and so what I had learned taught me a lot about how to do that. And so I was really excited to be able to share that with other parents. I love that. I'd love to hear what you learned. So when we talk about positive parenting, let me tell you, my understanding is it's kind of like behaviors are like seeds and maybe attention is like water and we water the behaviors we want to see grow with attention. Does that tell, I mean, what is your, tell us how, what positive parenting is. Cause that's how I think of it. Maybe I'm misunderstanding. Tell me, tell me what you're thinking on that. Well, I mean, I think that's a great little metaphor there. And yeah, I mean, it's, it is true that positive reinforcement, according to the research works much more effectively for the most part. Um, and that if we can acknowledge and encourage the behaviors we want and do things that discourage the behaviors we don't want, that definitely trends us in a better direction. The problem is that that attention for children, it doesn't matter if it's negative or positive. Right. <laughs> so that, that's a tricky business there. It's like, if you, we think that if we yell at them for something, that's gonna stop that behavior. And actually that often perpetuates that behavior because- right. Yelling is, is highly energized attention. And so if the child's perception is I can only get my mom involved if she's yelling at me, they're going to do things that make that occur. And so that's the, tr that's the tricky part is discerning like what type of, how am I going to show up as a parent 
to direct and, and effectively guide this child in a way that they're going to be kind of drawn and energized toward me positively and not with my, you know, when I'm, if I'm doing, you know, yelling or anything negative or, or whatever, so that they, they want to feed off that, of that of part of my energy instead. I love that. So what we're, what I'm hearing you say is if, if I'm a parent or any parent is saying, Hey, it starts pointing out all the wrong things somebody does and giving them attention for it. You're actually making those behaviors more likely because in, in, in effect, you're watering the behaviors you don't want to see grow with attention. When what we really want to do is catch people doing something right. We want to catch our kids doing something right. Right. Exactly. That no. That's exactly exact. And I have a whole two hour workshop. It's called tell them what to do, not what to don't. There <laughs> and you, it, go. you know, it was this idea of every time we say like, don't jump on the bed. They jump. And then we say it louder. Don't jump on the bed. And they jump higher. And it's like, why? I'm telling you, don't jump on the bed. And the reason is their brains are not hearing the don't. So that negative piece, like they don't hear it. All they're hearing is jump on the bed. And then we say it louder. So they're hearing it louder and their brain's just deleting the don't. And so this, this whole idea of the the, the negative reinforcement or the, or the, you know, don't do this or stop doing that it's not effective with kids. They really need positive direction. So, you know, bottom on the bed, feet on the floor, they need to be told where to go, not where not to go, because then they're focused on the not to go. I love that. So focus on what you want. Yes. Right? This reminds- where do you want them to go? Yes, yes, yes. No, I'm so, so thrilled. This is such an important thing. You know what I'm saying? Uh, where people, you know, if I say, don't think about a pink elephant, what, what do you do? You think about exactly, it. Exactly. <laughs> um, and, and I think that's right. So, you know, I, I the, you remind me of a story that I heard from somebody where the, the, what, what, what it was is there was a, well, I actually read it. There was a boy who was getting sent to the principal's office all the time. And it was such a big deal that they called in the school counselor and the school counselor decided to sit and watch what was happening and found that this boy was doing a lot of things right, but getting zero attention. Like the teacher, you know, he was listening to some things. He was doing what he was told, but getting zero attention. But as soon as the kid did something wrong, they say, oh, there you go again and write his name on the board. Then he'd do something else wrong and he'd get the check mark and he'd do something else, get a check mark. Well, the, the, the main thing was they took this kid down to the principal's office eventually because he had enough check marks. And then... The, the girl, the officer said, I knew you'd be here again, sits him next to this window where these, these kids are walking through and they're kind of giving him, um, they're waving at him because he's kind of the cool bad kid and he's waving at him through lunch there. And the, the counselor said, you know what, this is really predictable. He's getting zero attention for doing what's right. And he's doing a lot of things right. But every time he does something wrong, he's getting all this attention for it from the teacher, from the students, from sitting in this office. And maybe we need to shift and say, hey, you know what? I love it when you answered the question right. I'm so grateful that you had, it looks like you're putting in some good effort on your math there. It looks like, you you know, and, and start acknowledging what's happening, right? Because that's going to be more effective than the other way. Is that, is that, I don't know if that. Yeah, that's absolutely. I mean, I teach 20 ways to build your child's self-esteem. And, and one of those ways is to catch them doing well. And that that's actually one of the things that transformed my whole life at home. I was yelling at my kids all day long. They were fighting all day long. I was yelling at them all day long. These, you know, I had three little kids running around and I, I'd be trying to do my dishes and they'd be outside and they'd be fighting. So I go out and yell at them. And then I come in, I'm trying to vacuum or get something done. And then they'd fight and I go out and yell at them. It was this miserable, like yelling at them all day because they're fighting all day thing. And I learned this one idea, catch them doing well. 
And so I'd look at my dishes and I would go outside before they're fighting. And I go, I love the way you guys are playing so nicely together. Can I join you? And I would hang out with them for five minutes, you know, and then I would go in and I would be able to get stuff done. And I would keep an eye out there and I would go back out before they started fighting acknowledge them for something, hang out with them for a minute. And all of a sudden, like two days later, they're not fighting at all anymore. Like they're just getting along all day long. And it was my focus and my attention was going to when they were doing well and not, not to yelling at them for fighting all the time, which, you know, is a way to draw them for them to get mom involved. Wow. That you gave me tingles as you told me that story. There are so many parents, I think, who feel like they're in this trap of, right. I'm yelling at my kids, I'm trying hard, but I, they don't listen to me and I'm yelling. And maybe you're giving them all this attention for what they're doing wrong instead of waiting to wait, wait, they are playing nicely. Let me catch them doing something right. Even this, I love that. I love that. So they changed just because they got attention from mom for doing what's for doing well, for doing good things, right? Amazing. <laughs> and it works that. with the grandkids too. <laughs> With the grandkids. The problem works with adults. I mean, who doesn't want to be doing something right? I mean, in business, I, I, I could probably tell stories about business, catching people doing something right. That's wonderful, Debbie. So, I mean, let me ask you this. It, okay. And you maybe have already mentioned, but I'll ask it. What is the single most useful idea you could give a parent? Well, I mean, beyond this catching them doing well, which is kind of the theme of what uh, has emerged here, is, is giving them our focus, time, and attention. So, most of the time, if they, you know, when they say mom, 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 dad, 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 or whatever, we're like, what? And, you know, but we're not really t- turning our focus to them. We're, we're responding with half of our brain, you know, and trying to deal with stuff. And then we're still doing something over here or thinking about this thing over there. So one, and I always tell parents one time a day, you don't want to do this a hundred times a day because your kids are constantly, you know, mom, 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 dad, dad, dad. But one time a day when your child says, Hey mom, come here. Or Hey dad, come here. I want you to stop what you're doing and just see the world through their eyes. Just stop and go, show me, tell me. And it's amazing how many parents do this and just see their child go into shock. Like, what? Because they're so used to being dismissed or not paid attention to, or not paid hundred percent attention to that. When we give them our full undivided attention, sometimes they don't even know what to do with it. And it makes parents cry. Like, oh my gosh, I didn't know it was so hard to get for them to get. I feel like I'm giving them all my attention, but if it's not focused, if you're not hundred percent in there with them, like you would be with one of your dearest friends that you're having a conversation with, the kid's not going to be feeling it. They're not going to be, the connection's not going to be happening. So make sure, I mean, nothing thrills me more. And I'll have to tell you, it's much easier as a grandparent. I'm very involved with three of my grandkids and to for have them say something like, you know, granny come, you know, do you want to play with this game with me or something? And I'm like, yes, you know, and I just, to be a yes and to be able to go and see the world 100% through their eyes or do something with them without having them have to beg and plead and, you know, wish and, you know, wait for all the 50 billion other things that I have to do when I'm a parent, because parents obviously are much more busy than grannies are. <laughs> and so, you know, it's just, it's just a super joy for me to, to give that undivided attention when I can and to make sure that as a parent that you do that at least one time per day per child. I love that. I love mm-hmm. what you're saying on there. And, and here's the sad truth. You know, our kids want our attention. They love our attention. There comes a time and it's a lot of times during the teenage years 
where all of a sudden they don't want our attention anymore. Or it doesn't have to be that way, but I'm saying it, there's a, there's a comes a time where we may be chasing them for their attention. When, when we're young, they want their attention. So to just stop and be with them. Um, you know, one of the other things that you said that, that, that came to mind is, you know, we have all of these distractions and we bring them into with us when we have our phone or a tablet and all these devices going on. You know, it's interesting if you were to have like, you know, if I were to have a business meeting with someone and we're right in the middle of a meeting and people start picking up the phone and doing stuff, it's really kind of, a lot of people would think it was disrespectful, right? Um, but we do that with our kids all the time. Maybe sometimes I remember my, I remember my, I had an aunt, she was great at this. She'd have the, the phone would start ringing and it may have been, you know, on the other side of the room around the counter or something. And she wouldn't even, she wouldn't even look at it. She just let it ring. Oh. And it, was almost, it was almost like it was just birds chirping in the background because she made you feel important because she was talking to you. Whoever they are can wait because I'm here with you. And it doesn't matter if somebody dings in on my Instagram feed or my Twitter feed or my some some email or even if it's an important call, I'm with my child. And that person can wait. I think that we have it's so much easier now. Like I used to do that with family meetings when the family meeting would start. My son's job was to go unplug the phone because they used to be plug in the wall things, right? <laughs> which they're not anymore. But you know, now like we do, we have our devices and tablets. And if you want to really make an impression on your child, you put that down and be with them so that they can see like, I'm, I don't have it with me. I'm not taking it with me. It's not, you're more important than this device. And, and it's funny because I see things shift over time where for a while, parents were upset about the kids being on the phone or on the computers or on the devices. And then it's shifted now to where the children are like, my parents are always on the phone, on the devices, you know, and it's like, I'm feeling like not loved or not. And it's, it's just so interesting how that kind of swings back and forth where we have, and now that child who was experiencing a parent who's always on the device is going to grow up to be a parent who is not on the device and has children on the device. <laughs> trying to get their attention you know every generation I think it TikToks back and forth and um you know it's just so interesting that we all want to provide for our children what we didn't have or what we needed and that will you know that's part of I think the perfection of all of us and the children that we have is that we're the perfect parents for these children and these children are the perfect children for us and that if we can learn from our kids and we can allow them to teach us that provides so much esteem and so much self-worth to a child to know that me as a parent, I'm willing to grow and to become a better person. And you're helping me do that. Like mm -hmm. that is amazing. And, you know, to, to really accept and let, like one of the things I'm so thrilled at with my adult kids is that I can, um, I just, I adore the people that they are. Like, I love who they are. Even when they make mistakes and do stuff I wouldn't do, like, I love these people. And it feels so good to be able to have that feeling because I feel like the way I was parented, I was always judged and criticized. And what I did was never enough. And what I did was never good enough. And, and so, you know, that was just such a, it's such a sad disappointment that I can never be good enough for my parents to, turn around and have this ability to just unconditionally love and support my kids. And it, it just feels so much better. right? Yes. <laughs> and he, yes. it heals all that stuff in me that, you know, was so judged and criticized growing up. Right. 
And we don't want to have that pass that on to our, if we, if we came from an environment that was, that was critical or was constantly pointing out what we did wrong. Um, we see how important it is to see, like, I want to see the good. Yeah. My children. You know, so this reminds me of something. I have a question for you, but I was going to just tell you something that, that came to mind. You know, sometimes you'll see, a, you know, a parent, um, the kids tantruming, for example, and the parent is giving a lot of attention to this. They're like, oh, you're embarrassing mommy. You're here in the store and here, here, let me give you something. You want a sucker? Do you want a lollipop? And what's, what the kid is learning is if I act up, I get rewarded. I get reinforced. And so you're actually, you're, you're reinforcing what you don't want. And I heard somebody say this. They said, you know, if you had a tantruming child, for example, you know, one of the best things to do is to, is to give them zero reinforcement during that tantrum. Now, of course, you want to catch them doing it. You want, you want to find them to do a lot of good things. But if they're actually in the tantrum mode and you've, you've kind of reinforced this, you can just say, hey, you know what? When you, when you act that way, you need to just be in the corner or something and, and let them burn out. And then as soon as they're good, then you catch them doing something right, which is what you're saying, which is, hey, I love it when you play with Johnny like that. I love it that you're, you're being so kind and playing, sharing your toys or whatever you can find them doing right. But when they're in the tantrum mode, they can burn out. But the problem is some parents, the, the kid tantrums for like seven minutes and they can't handle it. They go and give them attention. They need to wait till the child burns out before they do that. Is that because we're watering with attention, we want to see grow. I don't know your thoughts on that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of examples of like, I, I remember there was a couple that was in my class and they had a kid who who laid on the ground and tantrumed wherever they were. And they were down at the harbor and this kid, I, I think she was like three or four lays down on the concrete it was just pitching the biggest fit and the two parents like backed up and the one said to the other like what are we supposed to do and she's like i don't know i wish we had our book with me <laughs> like they're like well maybe we should just and they were just sitting there talking together and supporting each other where before that i think both of them would have wanted to intervene or wanted the other one to intervene or try to fix it. And they weren't trying to fix it. They were just, like you said, letting it dissipate. I do think we have to be careful about um, making sure that they don't hurt themselves. We, you know, we have a lot of children maybe on the spectrum or maybe with sensory things now that, you know, so much more of that now that I have a much higher sensitivity to providing some kind of a container without bringing drama to it. So if I have a child that I know really goes off the deep end, but that it's partly sensory, partly, you know, whatever their, uh, you know, their physiology is or their nervous system, I might move in, but I'm going to move in super quietly with as much calm as I can. You know, even if they're like, I could imagine, you know, hugging or holding a child who's saying no, no, no. And, you know, I'll back up and step away a little bit, but not far enough that I can't do something if they start banging their head or, you know, doing something that's unsafe. So I think each of you parents knows your own child and that you can, that you can navigate this with sensitivity and with what you know your child needs, like how much to go in and how much to back off. Um, the, the truly traumatic pitching fits, they will be hurting themselves. You will need to intervene. The ones that are behave more, be what I would consider behavior-based, those are the ones you can back off on, right? They're providing drama to get more drama. They usually don't hurt themselves in those. They're usually just trying to get you involved. And so you as a parent have to figure out, is this the kind of tantrum where they're just trying to get more attention and they're not really, um, have the they don't really have the potential to hurt themselves? Or is this part of my child's you know, emotional 
Sure. It's regulation where they need me to, you know, really be a backup system for them. Sure. I, and I like that. And you're, you're right. Like you put a child in the corner and they're screaming, well, you want to make sure that nothing's poking them or there's nothing hurting them or they're hurting themselves. That's a very important piece. But at the same time, we're, we're, we want to kind of say, okay, look, when you're behaving like this, tantrumming is not something I want to reinforce. And I, I think though what's happened is when you start, like, let's say you've been, you realize as a parent that like, oh, wait, you start self-analyzing and say, okay, here I've been reinforcing my child. Every time they tantrum, I give them a reward. And of course they're continuing to tantrum. And now all of a sudden I'm going to change the game and I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to try to catch them doing something right. This positive reinforcement. And when they are tantruming, as long as they're safe, as you say, which I really like that you mentioned that. Thank you. They're not, I'm just not going to give them attention. I'm not going to send them to their room and play video games. They could just kind of be alone and in a safe spot until they can calm down. And then when they come back, I'll say, Hey, I love it when you actually call me. And when they first doing that, I've heard that the, the child actually gets worse for just a little bit. It's called an extinction burst because they're, yeah. they're trying to figure out why mom and dad changed the game. I mean, right, they, right. They've, they've been giving me a reward forever and it gets worse. And then, but if you stay consistent, like, Hey, when you, when you act this way, we're going to get zero attention basically as long as, but, but I'd love to catch you doing something right. You, you can change, help change the behavior quite quickly if you're consistent, but you just have to be prepared. It might get worse just for a little bit before the behavior goes down. Does that sound about right? Yeah. And I call that the Coke machine effect. Okay. <laughs> Tell us about that. So the Coke machine effect is that when, when you, when you go to a Coke machine, you put a quarter in, which is not a quarter anymore. It's a dollar, but whatever you put the money in the Coke machine and it gives you Coke. So this is what the behavior is the child knows if they do a certain behavior we're going to give them a certain reaction okay so i'm the coke machine i'm giving them a certain reaction to their behavior they hit their brother i have a you know i yell at them or whatever it is so when i decide to do something different and i change and in this case we're talking about a tantrum so when i decide i'm no longer going to engage in that tantrum i'm just going to step back observe be quiet and wait for it to dissipate now what happens is that child has put the money in and they're expecting Coke and I've just given them milk. So what is a kid gonna do if they put money in a Coke machine and they're expecting a Coke and out comes milk? <laughs> it might, it might, it's gonna escalate for a little bit. They gotta get back right. the, the, the Coke machine or tip it back and forth and give me the Coke or whatever it is, right? And give me my money back, all of that. And so your job as a parent is to continue to give that child milk until they realize that's all that's coming out of the Coke machine from here on out. They're not gonna get Coke anymore. And you have to live through that you know, you said it takes a short time. I always say it takes about three weeks and it could be anywhere in between, but three weeks, is a good time to change a pattern. And it's a good time. It's a good amount of time to allow yourself and allow the child to adjust to a new way and allowing them that time to make mistakes and to keep pushing your buttons. And for you to really work on, you know, counting and doing whatever your own things are to keep yourself calm, knowing that this is a a work in progress and that eventually they'll learn they're only going to get milk from you and what happens if you pop out a coke here and there well then it's variable reinforcement and then they start going well i, I gotta keep doing it. you gotta be really consistent right so that yes we're not doing it halfway we've got to make right. sure we're doing it the whole way because otherwise they think it's that back to that prince i love your coke machine principle here <laughs> I love it because it's like Wait, if I do it a hundred times, maybe I will get the coke, right? That's right. Um, and 
I think that makes it really worse. So it has to be really consistent. When we when we decide to change the game and say we're going to give attention for positive things and and not for negative things, and our kids are trying to figure out this new thing, which you say could take three weeks, which by the way is still rel- that's a relatively short amount of time compared yeah. to the 18 years you might have. Right. <laughs> so three weeks of like, you know, they're trying to figure it out. Um I think you're right. You've got to be consistent. That's otherwise they they get mixed signals and they don't know what's going on and it makes it worse, right? Yeah. So if if you, if they push twelve times and then you and then you give in on the thirteenth time, now they've learned. Okay, twelve times, thirteen times, and it's unconscious on them. They're not counting, but they have this intuitive knowing of how long it takes to break you down. And so when you when you you know fail like that, I don't like to say fail. That's a bad word, but but like when you're not consistent, they learn that they can keep pushing you. And so it is super important. It's better in these situations to just walk away than to go back to the old way of losing it. Like you're not losing anything if you walk away from a situation like this when you're trying to change or do a new behavior. The the most important thing is not to go back to the original form of discipline that you're trying to get away from, whatever it was, you know, whether it's yelling or, you know, whatever it is. Make so, sure yeah. you, have, you have control of yourself enough to say, okay, even if I feel like I want to get steamed like I used to be, right? Walk away. Right. Don't make them, don't teach them that, hey, you can push 12 times and on the 12th time I'll cave. Right. This is the new way we're doing it. And we're going to be consistent, right? Yep. 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 That's that's the way to get change to happen. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So let me ask you this. What do you do? What are some ideas for a parent uh when a child won't listen? Oh, well, uh, most parents talk too much. And so my first suggestion is quit talking so much. Because <laughs> what happens is parents say, you know, I tell them 12 times and they don't listen to me. And I'm like, well, it's because you're telling them 12 times. So what you want to do is <clears throat> tell them one time. And I like to make it super clear, like, okay, I need my kid to empty the dishwasher. So I'm going to walk over to him. And this is probably not a good example because I'd like to have a routine for that, but I'm going to do it anyway. So I'll walk over to them and I'll look in their eyes and maybe I'll even put my hand on their shoulder and I'll just wait a second. Like we don't realize the importance of having our child's attention. It's super important. When you tell your kids to do stuff and they're not paying attention to you, that causes you to have to ask them again because they're not paying attention and they're not hearing you. And so I'll walk up and I'll look at them and I'll rub their back. And they'll be like, what? (laughs) And I'll say, I need you to empty the dishwasher or something like that. Whatever it is, a very simple, direct uh, request. And they're either going to yes, do it or no, not do it. But whatever you do, don't say it again. All right. So the saying it again is what causes them not to listen anymore. It's what caught when, when you say it again and they continue not to do it, that's where the, it gets to the point where we say they're not listening, but what's happening is they know that you'll just keep asking and asking. And if they don't do it, you're just going to keep asking and asking. So what you have to do is say it one time, and then you're going to have to follow through, meaning figure out what you're going to do to encourage this child to accomplish the task you've asked without asking them again. So maybe I'll put their, my hand on their shoulder and smile and rub their back and look over at the dishwasher. Maybe I'll go hang out over by the dishwasher. Maybe I'll just wait until, you know, however many minutes later and they want something like, okay, I want dinner, mom. 
and I'll look over at the dishwasher again. I won't say you need to empty the dishwasher because I've already told them, but I'll make some kind of a gesture or something. And so figuring out how to how to you use your actions and not your words to get the result that you need. Maybe I'll draw a picture of the dishwasher. I mean, I might go through all kinds of things not to say it again, because that's what's undermining my parental authority is continuing to say things that they don't listen to, that they don't respond to. Interesting. <clears throat> so what, what if we went just from not listening to, to a child who's defiant? Like, what are some ideas for a parent with a defiant child? Well, what would be a situation? Let me think of one. What do you think? What age? What kind of defiance? Well, I, you know, let's let's hope we're catching this in the in the in the earlier years because it. I've heard this just as a brief side note. Okay. But for parents who are hearing this, and some of you may already have teenagers, but you know, like if you have a tree, and it's growing maybe just a little bit crooked, and you <laughs> and put a you can put a string around that tree, and it just bends it back. But if you let the tree keep growing crooked, then you need a, a, a harder string. Eventually you might need a real rope. Eventually you might need something bigger. And if you let it go and go and go, now you get, you might have to saw that, you know, I have to do major surgery to the tree and use chainsaws and all kinds of things if it goes many years. I think if we can get uh, parents to get in these habits while their children are young and say, I'm gonna positively reinforce them. I'm gonna try to, you know, if there's a little thing that I'm doing wrong, when right. they're young, it's easier to make to make that oh so let, let's talk from a young perspective you know okay. maybe five five six eight year old somewhere in there where there's no i'm not doing it um what would you do yeah i mean one of the first things that i like to do is respect their right to say no because what happens is a lot of times what happens that we'll ask them to do something like go do your homework no don't you ever say no to me now we have two power struggles instead of one the first one was they needed to do their homework now we've got this power struggle over them being deliberately disobedient. So what I like to do is when a child, if a child actually says, no, I'm not going to do that, which is the defiance, I will, I will say, wow, I respect your right to say no. And I'd like you to say it to me like this, no, thank you. Or no, that doesn't work for me. And I'll, I'll say something that's reasonable, especially if they said it in a disrespectful tone, that won't work for me. So the second time they might say, no, that doesn't work for me. They might say it <clears throat> disrespectfully again. And I just ignore it the second time. So I don't, I don't go through and make this another power struggle. They say, they say, no, I'm not going to do that. I respect your right to say no. And please say it like this. No, that doesn't work for me. No, that doesn't work for me. Great. So what are we going to do about the, whatever the chore or the task? What about, what, what are you going to do about your homework? You need to get your homework done. So I'm going to try to redirect the defiant words right back to the behavior that was the cause of the defiance in the first place. So I'm gonna go back to the task at hand and not get pulled off track by their deliberate disobedience, their disrespectful attitude. Attitude and dis that kind of thing is super hard to, to discipline head on. It's better if we prevent the attitudes from happening by managing behavior in a way that doesn't get to that point. Because once you get to having to, Feel the feeling the need to punish disrespectful attitude. Now you've got this hurt, hurt back thing that's going to go on. You know, like, don't talk to me like that. You're so mean to me. Well, you can't, you can't be disrespectful to me. Well, I hate you anyway. And then you have this big mess going on. And so it's better to just don't go down that path. <laughs> if it's 
<laughs> if at all possible, don't go down that path of hurt, hurt back, hurt, hurt back, because now you've got this, what we call the goal of revenge and a child is going to feel completely hurt, completely misunderstood. They're going to do hurtful, hateful things. And you have to kind of backtrack from all that postpone discipline, reestablish the connection in your relationship. And then you can get back to the business of, of disciplining whatever was happening. So it's messy. So with that defiant child, if you know, if you say that I, I respect your right to say no and, and, and I want you to say it respectfully, now what will you do about your homework? Homework has to get done. And then you can sit and try to negotiate whatever, whatever needs to be done to make that homework happen. And if it's a child that is in a real power struggle, I want to find out like what's going on. I mean, you love school, you love your whatever, you know, math or whatever this is, what's going on that you don't want to do this. Are you, you know, are you working too hard? Are you too tired? Like, do you have too, you know, I, I'm going to, I'm going to search and see if I can find out where their defiance is coming from and then help create a, a routine or a, way to go through that where they're willing to do the work that they know they need to do that isn't even my business that homework i love that i love that and and then and then try to when they when they are doing their homework give them a, the the reinforcement right it's like that's right <laughs> i noticed that you started your homework today without even being asked that's great you know i noticed that well it looks it looks like you're putting in a lot of effort on that math problem i can tell you've been working on that for a while that's way to be persistent love that or whatever it is right instead of I mean, even yeah. Yeah. Even like you got all your homework done so fast. Let's go play at the park for half an hour. Like how, what a great way to organically, you know, I don't, I don't really believe in rewards, but to, to organically have like, you created this order and this extra time in your world. Let's go make something happen with it. I love it. Yeah. I think if we can be keyed in, you know, I've <laughs> long time ago, I didn't know this principle. I, I started, I read it in a book called the power of positive parenting by Glenn Latham, which is a great book. And um, but anyway, I, I learned that trying to um, catch people doing something right. You know, I had a daughter. She's a great girl. But I remember one time she came up to her. And she, I, she was maybe six or seven. She knocked on the door and she said, surprise, dad. I got ready for school. I made my bed. Oh. I, I made, made my lunch. And I had just barely learned about this principle. Now, in the past, I may have been kind of dismissive. I hate to admit it, but I probably, I could have just said, well, that's nice we are, you know. But I went to my wife, we went, I went back actually in the closet and I said, hey, look, you know what? This is a behavior we like. Let's water it with attention. Let's reinforce it. So I went out there and I kind of laid it on thick and I said, wow, your bed looks great. You made your bed. We didn't have to ask you and you made your lunch and you, and you, and you got dressed ready for school. We didn't have to. And it was really interesting because she she did it again. But what would have been less effective, way less effective, would be to wait till she sleeps. And by the way, she did it again. She came, we kept watering it. So she for years and years she did this behavior where she just get up and made her lunch, get ready, dress. Where would have been less effective is wait till she sleeps and it doesn't make her lunch, and then storm into her room and say, How many times do I have to tell you to make your bed and do this and that? And I think if we can change that habit, that habit of okay, I'm gonna catch him doing something wrong too. I'm going to catch them doing something that they've done well, done right. That's, that can make just that one piece. If parents everywhere could learn that, I think there would be so much more harmony, peace in the home, less contention. I don't know what you think. I mean, tell me your thoughts on that. Yeah, no, I absolutely agree. I mean, that's exactly what the, this idea to me is. It's how do we look, do 
reinforce the behaviors that we want to see and you have to be able to acknowledge them and everybody wants to feel valuable everybody wants to feel powerful everybody wants to be special and so if you don't acknowledge your children for the things that they're doing well when they're that age six or seven and you know cleaning and this and that like those things when a child becomes a teenager they absolutely are not important to a teenager like they don't matter in the scheme of things the child who's never been acknowledged won't do it. Whereas a child who's been acknowledged for that stuff tends to continue that routine of keeping whatever order, whatever consistency, whether it's room cleaning or, or whatever it is, habits that we've taught them, they'll keep that on through their teenage years because they've been acknowledged. You know, they've felt like it's been valuable what they've provided. Whereas if you don't, if you don't give that stuff, kids just don't care. They don't care. They don't want to do it. They lose their motivation. <clears throat> so important. I love that. Um, so I think I love the fact that you are becoming the change you want to see in the world, Debbie. This is one of the things I love. Okay. You told me you came from a situation where you're, you grew up in maybe in a place where people weren't catching you doing things well. And that myth probably painful to live with. And now you're sitting here teaching people all over the place how to be catching people doing something right. That to me is beautiful. It's, it's amazing. It's wonderful. And I think sometimes if we allow it, sometimes our pain almost becomes our superpower later. I mean, here you have, you're like this force for good helping parents because of something that happened that uh, was difficult for you. So it's like you've transcended and overcome it. Wow. Awesome. Thank yeah. you. You're welcome. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for the acknowledgement. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm trying to possibly reinforce you. <laughs> um, is there anything else, you know, how can people get a hold of you, Debbie? This has been great. How can people get a hold of you? Yeah. So I have a website, positiveparenting.com. And you can go there. I have links to, I have a, um, like a self-directed online class that has videos of lessons. All these things I've referred to are in lessons. Uh, I have a blog that has things you can read if you want to read articles about different ideas. I have a podcast. There's, I don't know, 200 and something episodes of the podcast that are it's positive parenting pep talks podcast. So they're short blurbs about all different kinds of behavior issues and parenting tips and that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, that's how you can find me. And we'll put that, we'll put the positiveparenting.com, some of these, the notes so you can get a hold of Debbie. Uh, Debbie, this has been wonderful to have you on the show today. Is there anything else that you would just want to leave our, our listeners with? Just hug your kids. <laughs> hug them. Just hug them. Forget about all the things they're doing wrong. Forget about all the discipline. Just hug them, enjoy them, play a game with them, spend time with them. That's all they want It's fun. Have some fun with them. Spend some time with Debbie. Thank you for the reminder. Thank you so much. Thanks for being on the show. We're going to have uh, ways to get a hold of Debbie in the show notes. And thank you for listening today. And thank you again, Debbie, for being on the show. Thank you.